everybody, and welcome to a crazy wild ride with Steve-O. This episode's loaded with so many shocking bombshells. I don't know how else to describe it, but crazy. And speaking of crazy, I just recently got connected with a new sponsor for this show called BetterHelp. And they are an online way of finding therapists. And you know what? I needed to get into therapy. I knew I needed to get into therapy. And thanks to BetterHelp, I did get into therapy. And it was so easy to do it online without having to get into some awkward waiting room and without having to get in the car and drive anywhere. I mean, dude, this little question they had me fill out really zeroed in very specifically on what it is I wanted to work on and their humongous network of licensed professional accredited therapists is just they're really good at syncing people up with the people who are best suited to help them and you know, I just had my first session I'm thrilled with it. I'm absolutely thrilled with it. Plus, this whole service is so convenient and affordable, and I can get you 10% off your first month. So if you go to betterhelp.com slash Stevo, you're going to get 10% off your first month of what is already so affordable and professional therapy. It's good for your mental health. I want you to be a happier, healthier person, and it's okay to work on yourself, man. I do it and I'm better for it too. So go to betterhelp.com slash Stevo and get 10% off of this whole therapy thing, which I'm sure you've heard helps people and it can help you. I believe that. So enjoy, be happier, be healthier, betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Stevo. Now let's get into it. Do you smoke? I don't want to smoke weed now. No, cigarettes. Cigarettes now. Cigarettes just like that naturally? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you went to a doctor. The guy was like, you just suck at talking. Like, he just, like, strains his throat muscles when yeah. he talks. Really? <clears throat> Is that it? But it wasn't always like that, right? Um, it, it's gotten a little crazier over time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let, let, let's go, man. We can keep Slow going. Decline. I'm going to be interviewing you. Yeah, yeah, by all means. All right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Corey Feldman. What's up? Yeah, dude, you've What's met up? Scott What's Randolph. Met Scott, yep. yes. Sitting here so nice and intimately with you. Yeah. Mm. The gorgeous Paul Brisky. Gorgeous. Howdy, Corey. How are you, Paul? Gorgeous. I'm great, man. Thank you. Gotta say I'm super excited about this, Me too, man. man. Me Thank too. You. Thank it's you a wild for... ride. Yeah, dude. <laughs> no, dude, I've, uh, I've watched your stuff for many years and all the crazy, nutty stuff you've done right yeah man and you guys have you ran into each other before or this yeah the first i feel time? like we like kind of met somewhere but never really like talked talked right yeah i think we met at the playboy mansion i want to yeah. say yeah what year which i mean that would have been surprised me i think yeah. early like maybe like 2002 or something oh wow how many times have you been to the Playboy Mansion? I didn't Not know many, and I got kicked out. Oh, surprise, yeah? Surprise. Every time. <laughs> I, I, forget, I forget why I was kicked out. Probably was running around naked, jumping in the grotto. I think it was more of a cocaine thing. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I think I was they like... They caught you doing drugs? I think I was doing cocaine like really blatantly out in the open. Right. 
Yeah. And, They're like, there's bathrooms for that. There's, <laughs> there's cocaine room for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Yeah, you know, there's actually, Hef was not a fan of hard drugs. Right. He was pretty anti-hard drugs, from right. what I remember. Yeah, you never saw him touch anything, really. But, for but sure. you know, he was definitely, he was a fan of the Quaaludes. I think that was kind of well known. You know, you hear lots of stories that he had his, uh -huh. his special doctor that took care <laughs> of special needs, <laughs> you know. How do you get invited to the Playboy Mansion? Is it like a letter or a phone call? Yeah, Steve, how'd you get invited? I can't remember. Of course, I, you I, just I, showed up. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, kind of a prerequisite, That's why they right? kicked him out. Yeah. <laughs> I think I actually do remember, and that it was, uh, it came through, like, the Jackass channels. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. there was, like, the Jackass like guys. Like, publicist, somebody, probably around the time where yeah. the movies came out, and they got you up there as, like, a, hey, he's got a new movie out, let's get him up right. here. It'll be wacky and zany, watch him create all kinds of problems. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> oh, wait, his problem is actually doing cocaine on the front lawn? No, we can't have that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't realize he was coming in character. Right. How, many times, yeah. how many times have you been there? Uh, uh, three. Thousand, <laughs> <laughs> like I was there every weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, dude, that's epic. At how starting at how young? And was were these are like post dated because there's no more Playboy Mansion. Yeah, what is it? What is the place? It's wow. just a mansion, a museum without the Playboy. Without, without that, well, it's not even that. It should have been that. If they were smart, that's what they would have done. They would have preserved it. But instead, some dude took it over, bought it, and like literally like changed it all. Like, how do you go and deface? A historical monument like right. why why i, I yeah. seem to recall the why story i remember the story was that hef sold it while he was still alive yes but the deal was that the guy had to keep it the way it was until hef died not only that but hef had the right to live in it right until he died <clears throat> so Correct. what that did was force the people who had basically taken over the company and taken over all of his stuff to try and like make him as uncomfortable and miserable as possible while he was still there so they were doing stuff like telling him like you can no longer have you know your guests over in the parking you can never no longer have the parking guys do your parking Man. for you you can no longer have your poker nights or your movie nights or whatever these guests aren't allowed anymore you know whatever they would just like take away all of his freedoms to the point where he felt so like isolated and miserable that he didn't even want to live and i think that's kind of sadly that's that's kind of how it went down in the wow end. damn yeah. and he sold it because like financially he just couldn't personally keep it up yeah so basically what happened was you know and i don't want to go too deep but there was a uh let's say a buyout uh with a certain company because he was in a lot of trouble say around 2007 2008 right around the time right after we shot up there actually we did the two Corys shoot up there my ex-wife susie <laughs> where, where we shot in the up uh, there Right, right. Not where we where we shot up there. No, yes, 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 no, no. We weren't shooting up there, but we were shooting up there. Up there, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Right. Uh, yeah, no. So we so we were shooting for the two Corys and and uh, and have asked my ex-wife Susie to be in the magazine on the show and that was part of it and I got to actually direct Hef which was really cool Wow! Uh, because you know all the all the other showrunners were like scared to touch it like well, uh, we don't want to talk to the guy what are we going to say I'm like don't worry I got this you know what I mean so I was like okay Hef here's what we need you to do da -da 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 -da. <laughs> uh, and he was great he was very helpful very cool very cooperative um, and yeah he asked in a very kind of amazing way like it's so cool to have that footage of, I mean I'm not her so I 
wasn't really asked to be in it, but to be her, you know, he like sits her down at the dinner table, which we've sat at with him a thousand times. You know, it's like where he would like have the dinner in between the movie. I don't. Do you ever go for a movie night on I Sunday? Not. Oh yeah, because that's kind of <laughs> like that's more like the casual, chill, like only really close. I was friends not in her circle. Right, right, right. But you would have been, you know, yeah. if you didn't screw up and do both. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so so that's kind of how it happened for me. I mean, I went up to one of the big parties, you know, and then like five years later, I was invited back for a movie night. And then like once I went to a few of the movie nights, eventually I was invited to come Sunday during the afternoon by Ron Smith. And when I went in the afternoon a couple times, Hef liked me, you know, he saw me around and he was like, hey, you know what? You're a cool guy. I was like, thanks. He's like, if you want to come on Fridays or Saturdays anytime, you're welcome. Anytime wow. on the weekends, you're welcome. So my name was added to the permanent list. So basically, I didn't have to get clearance. I could bring whatever girls I want, unless it was a big party where you still had to get, you know, whatever authorized for your guests. But, um, but yeah, I was like on the permanent list. So any Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if I wanted to come up, if I wanted to bring three girls, four girls, it didn't matter. I would just wow. show up and, and roll up to the gate and they would let me in. So and you said that you were married at that time. I was married at that time. Yes. So when, when was we it your inclination to be married and bring three or four girls? No, 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 no. This was not then. Oh, gotcha. Right. I'm okay, saying gotcha, that's gotcha. where my status was. And then once okay. I got divorced, then yes, I was up there quite frequently with a lot of guests. With what? three or four girls, yes. man, that's pretty fun. For somebody that's never been, basis. for somebody that's never been, like, what's a party at the Playboy Mansion well, like? Well, here was my whole theory. My whole theory was I didn't want to bring I, I didn't a lot of people say we don't want to bring sand to the beach right right i didn't want to take sand from the beach <clears throat> i didn't want to wow. be that guy you know what i mean like because i knew that if i was then i wouldn't be invited back very often you know i liked my status and i knew that my status was there because half saw that i respected the boundary you know what i mean it's all about respecting the boundary he's the host these right. are his girlfriends. Stay away from his girls. Right. You know, very simple. I enjoyed going up, seeing my friends. I had like a second family up there. So I enjoyed seeing all of, you know, the people that you see every week. It was like a weekly group and everybody got together. We watched movies. We had fun. We had laughs. Stay away from his girls. So were you like I'd bring super, my own careful, girls. super careful to bring like the hottest chicks? Of course. Yeah. But I mean, that's, I don't date anything other than that anyway. <laughs> right. Like, you know. <laughs> Seriously, yes. like I'm just, I have very, very, very high standards, like always have, and like detrimentally so, because those are the girls that screw with your head the most, of right. course, you know, yeah. the hotter they are, the more they're going to screw with you, Right. but whatever, I was willing to take that. You know. I love that. <laughs> it's a risk you were willing to take. I love yeah, exactly. that. And, and take I, one for the team. Yeah. I love that, and I love even more your candor about that. Yeah. Just to say, hey, man, like hot chicks. Right. I mean, like, that uh, was my deal. I just, you know, when I was a single guy, I'm like, I, first, and it's not because I like I love everybody. I love I love sure. people. I love humans. I love my fans, whether they're big, fat, skinny, small, tiny round thin it doesn't matter you know i love them equally and i find beauty in everybody some sure. unless they're just a total dick bag and then if they well, are then there's no then, beauty there but you know his slum I mean, buster's like a prog model you know like. <laughs> <laughs> but you know for me it's like it's like if i'm gonna have to be with that person and wake up every day to them and be excited about it then you know it's got to be really really good because right. otherwise there's going to be three or four more running around the corner they're gonna be like Corey, oh, come here this way right I'd be like all right cool it's so, interesting man yeah and being famous then in like the 80s and 90s is a totally different world even you're like uh, oh no not then I'm talking now 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. I'm talking like in the last 10 years. Nice. Because, because <laughs> no, in the 80s and 90s, I was shy and awkward and oh. didn't really date a now lot. Now you've of hit your stride. Well, in between, okay, let's let's back it up. So between my first marriage and my second marriage, I, I had a lot of growth. Between my second and my third marriage, I had a lot of growth. And by growth, I mean... Boners. that was awesome (laughs) no but yeah (laughs) no what I meant was that like I had a growth meaning like self appreciation or or feeling the value of my own worth and finding your voice right like whereas because like I was very shy I was very awkward and I was very insecure because I was made to believe I was fat and ugly my whole life I was Mm. beat up by kids at school I was beat up by my mom I was always bullied so like I was told I was fat and I was ugly and I believed that up until I was 35 years old. Man, I have so trouble I was with very that. Insecure. I mean, yeah. I, I know that when you're a hugely successful child star, yeah, which, which you were. I mean, right? Like, so I know that when you're in a school system and you're the big child star, that there's actually like a bullying component. Right. Where even though you have like insane amounts of power or popularity you, or whatever popularity yeah. or you're, but you're, not you're, in school you're a celebrity yeah and, but in and school so, it's a different ball game you're like the you're you're the dumb kid because you leave all the time you're the stupid kid and, right you know and you must think you're special because you get to like not be here when the rest of us have to slave away at school right. all day that's the way they looked at it it's pretty hmm. it's pretty incredible to me that that uh that you can be bullied in that kind of a situation but then what 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 else to to be made to believe that you're fat when you were never fat right? i was a little bit chubby like i had like the, the what movie were you fattest in <laughs> um i would say it wasn't like maybe a movie but i think definitely on the bad news bears tv series i mean i got okay. a big round that was in face. the fucking 70s i was seven and eight years old yeah but yeah. this is called screwed up in the head sure you know your mom tells you you're fat you think you're fat i wasn't allowed to eat in those days she would literally keep meals from me or like hide the you know candy in the junk food because i wasn't allowed to eat it um so that was then but then even all the way up until gremlins like look at me in gremlins i'm filling out those those pants pretty tight you know i got like the chubby face i got the uh, little bit of a belly in there gremlins was uh like 84 that was like 83 83 I was shooting it yeah 83 Mm. I was shooting it it came out in 84 85 and then Goonies we shot in 84 and it came out in 85 right right okay yeah so by uh, Goonies I started to lose a little bit of it and then by Stand By Me me is where I like okay came into my were you already doing coke on Stand By Me no (laughs) hell no 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 I was still like those gremlins dude (laughs) no 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 that that didn't start till Ladies and gentlemen, be warned, we are about to discuss powder cocaine, and I cannot be more grateful for having given up that kind of powder for a new kind of powder called Athletic Greens. Man, this is the one-stop shop for all of my supplement needs, man. If you want to wake up in the morning and take a lot of supplements on an empty stomach, that's real bad for you. Plus, who knows if they're any good. Athletic Greens, I wake up and I dump one of my travel packets or a scoop from my big jar 
right into a pint of water. It is absolutely delicious. It's totally okay on a completely empty stomach. It fills in all of my nutrition gaps, and trust me, I do have nutrition gaps. I don't always eat that well, but with Athletic Greens, I'm getting all of the nutrients, all of the vitamins, everything I need, and it's really good for my gut and my digestion. I mean, dude, this is the best stuff, and I use it every single morning religiously, and I got a funny feeling that you could use it, you know, big time. It's sourced from all whole foods. It's all just good quality stuff, and Again, absolutely delicious. If you go to athleticgreens.com slash Stevo, then you're going to get an entire year's supply of immune-boosting vitamin D plus five of these travel packets. And dude, I don't go anywhere without my travel packets of AG1. Yeah, so let's get you on this, man. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Stevo for an entire year's supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and five free travel packets of AG1. And just watch. See how much better you feel, how quickly you do. Man, I stand by that product. I use it every day. I love it. I love it. I love it. And now let's talk about a much worse powder. Okay, so the first time I did cocaine was because my mom was doing it with somebody on the set of The Lost Boys. Okay. This little hot little Asian woman who I was sitting there one night because I was like falling asleep and I was depressed because I'm like, how the hell am I going to stay for these night shoots? I've never done a night shoot. I mean, I've done like the Friday 13th night shoots, but that was like we come in at noon, we work until midnight and then you go home because like when you're a kid, they're only going to let you work so late and right. then they're going to call it. But like now... I'm still a kid, but I'm 14 years old, 15 years old. You know, when it, when you get to those ages, all of a sudden they start treating you more like you're an adult, right? And the, the work code still applies, but they'll be like, oh, we're going to do like a, a half day, half night. So we're coming in at three in the afternoon and right. we're working until three in the morning. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I wasn't very good at that. So I was a little frustrated. Like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to stay up all night? And this little Asian lady comes up to me and she's like, hey, you should just do what your mom does to stay awake and I was like what's that and she's like cocaine and I was like uh okay uh, I wouldn't really know where to get it she's like oh I have it just come to my apartment we'll do something it'll be easy and then you'll be fine I was like oh okay well she makes it sound so easy and harmless I might as well if my mom's doing it how bad could it right. be mm -hmm. you know how old were you uh I was like I said 15 15 yeah when was the first time you did coke how old were you oh shit I didn't do coke until I was uh, 20, I think. Mm. Yeah. Late bloomer. Experience. I did it on my high school lunch break. <laughs> Pussy. <laughs> I was a rookie. Yeah, I did it at my senior year. Somebody's yeah. like, come over, and I did oh, it. Oh, it's bad. So I got, okay, so the first time was I that, did it, so sorry it was a bad experience. Okay. Because it was, it was, well, it was good at first. Like, we did it, we had fun. It was like, you know, we were talking, sure. we were sitting in this girl's apartment. She takes me out driving. She taught me how to drive a stick shift high on cocaine <laughs> for the first time. Um, Casey Jones. And then, and then, you know, here's the thing. I did one line and I thought that one line was going to last forever. 
we're gonna live forever you know so that's what i was thinking at the moment fame um but what happened was unfortunately i was wrong and it did not and so i didn't go to sleep in between when i that whole thing which was like say six to twelve in the afternoon and then at twelve i go out with my friend for the day and then i've got like a four o'clock call and i never slept anywhere in between and i've got to work from four to four and so then i say to the girl like hey you know what i have a feeling this stuff might wear off uh, how long does it take to wear off? She's like, oh, it'll be worn off by the time you go into work. And I'm like, well, I'm going to probably need more than to keep me up. She's like, don't worry, I'll meet you there. I'll give you some more. Well, that was my first lesson in people doing drugs are not very honest. so yeah found out the hard way that she was full of it and uh waited for her to show up she She didn't show up she didn't show up she flaked on me she left me hanging right and so i'm sitting there like you know showing up for work getting my costume on like half asleep like okay i gotta make it through she'll be here any minute it's cool and i'm like calling her texting her i don't think we had texts in those days that's a lie i was just calling her (laughs) um yeah yeah. and she didn't show up like no response no anything you know I'm sending a birdie over to her house. <laughs> um, and so she doesn't show up. She leaves me hanging. And it's now like 8 o'clock at night. And we're shooting the very first scene that day. Which happens to be, hold for it, wait for it. Yeah, the big truth, justice, and the American way speech scene that everybody remembers. That moment was during this hell. So it was literally at that moment where I'm like, and Joel Schumacher's like, okay, so you're going to come to this spot, you're going to stop here, you're going to pause for two seconds, you're going to deliver the first part of the line, then you're going to wait, and Corey's going to clear over here, and then Jameson's going to come over to this point, and then when he stops, you're going to open the magazine, you're going to look at it, you're going to pull it down to right here, and then you're going to look over at the top. I mean, like, all these instructions, I'm like, well, uh, huh? And what? you pulled it. Is- no, dude. Oh, you didn't I did it. not pull it. I, it was it was a disastrous did, meltdown. Was, was like, it was it clear to anybody that the drugs were involved? Here's or? what was clear. I'm a guy that's very on my shit all the time. I'm very efficient. I'm very like I try to stay. You know, I'm a professional. I study the night before. I get all into my memorization. I come in the next day. I know my stuff backwards and forwards. You know impeccable i'm a professional i don't mess around but all of a sudden i couldn't remember one thing to the next that he's telling me to do and he's looking at me like what is wrong with you like dude i just said three times here's the order of the thing and you just you know i say come to this mark stop you know freeze turn around lower the thing and then say your line you're going over here you're walking past your mark you're not lowering the thing you're saying your line without even looking at the place you're supposed to look i'm like uh okay let's do it again so that happens like 10 times and eventually joel schumacher's like okay i don't know what's wrong with you are you on drugs are you on drugs, Feldman? Is that what's going on here? Like, totally called me out. And I was like, huh? I wish I was on drugs. I wouldn't be so screwed up right now. No. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was the problem. I had no drugs. Um, so he, he knew there was something going on. And he and, fired and this me. was at a time when uh, when everything was still shot on film. There was oh, no absolutely. Digital. Yeah, it was all film. So, so to, to screw up a take was actually kind of expensive at that time. Very expensive, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, you said he fired you? Yeah, he fired me. He fired me right there on the spot. He's like, listen, Feldman, I don't know what's going on with you, but you're fired. 
you need to get your act together. I can't have this on my set. I don't know what's going on, but you're, you know, coming in all out of it, looking like you're high, da 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 da. And I'm like, I'm not high. For like two hours. But but what happened was they were like, look, the only way we're going to let you continue is if you get some, where's your mom? That was the first question. Where's your mom? Why is she not here? Why are you all out of it? Somebody needs to answer for this. And I was like, "Um, good luck finding her. She's probably off with some crew member in the bar. Wow. You know, doing blow, getting drunk, getting laid, who knows? And so they couldn't find her. They all did like an APB to try and find my mom. Nobody could find her. They're like, this is a disaster. And then they're like, well, we can't really blame it on the kid if he's got no adult supervision. So we've got to at least give him a chance by like saying, okay, you've got to have like some adult supervision around you. Right. And then if you still mess up, then we'll fire you for real. So they decided to see like, is your dad available? Can your dad come down? My dad couldn't come down because he had his talent management company, which was basically like a false management company where it was like, like, like the powers, remember JG powers or whatever, like where they would like take your money and do uh-huh. seminars and like they'd pick like a hundred people to like, Oh yeah, you're the best looking one. So you're going to get a free photo shoot, but everybody else has got to pay $15,000 for that same photo shoot in an acting class. And maybe one day you'll get an acting part. And that was kind of like his thing, but he had my movie posters up all over the walls and it was called new talent enterprises. And it was like over on the sleazy part of Coenga there. And anyway, <laughs> so he was doing that and he didn't have time to come play babysitter. So he says, no, I'm not available. So they were like, well, who can you get up here? And that we called Marty Weiss. And Marty Weiss was a guy who'd been kidnapping me since I was 11 years old. Um, he was part of the science fiction awards or whatever it was called the saturn he was, he awards was your agent he was not my agent not he was agent. A, literally just a, like a stalker hanger on dude that basically got into my life because he worked for the saturn awards and was trying to give me an award so he like called me up but comes to find out that he basically gave awards to all of like or like got in touch with all the steven spielberg kids so i thought he was just a big steven spielberg fan big disney fan he loved all those kids he was he introduced me to another kid that became one of my best friends at the time named jason presson who was in explorers i don't know if you remember the movie explorers with uh, ethan hawk and river phoenix but okay. yeah that was a joe dante movie um steven spielberg movie as well but anyway so so he became friends with him and then introduced me to him and he became my best friend up until I met Corey Haim a couple years later so from like Gremlins to Lost Boys this kid Jason Preston was my best friend so anyway come to find out that this guy's like molesting everybody and so he's a pedophile and then we find out that basically well he comes in it's in you know my book and in my movie and whatever and I don't want to get into the graphic stories but let's just say that he took advantage of the situation Okay, <laughs> and at that time, this was the set of Lost Boys, so you are 14... Turning 15. Turning 15, and like so incredibly famously, at the age of 15, you started the emancipation right. movement? Right, so what happened was, like, so I, okay, since Marty, it wasn't because Marty was there, it was because I was embarrassed and I was shamed that I went down that road and I did drugs at all because I was so anti-drug normally, like, why did I do well, that? Well, drugs aside, there was, like, financial fuckery going on, Well, right? all kinds of shit, yeah. So, yeah. But the bottom line was, I was just like, dude, my life sucks right now, I need to, like, try and keep this job 
because otherwise I'm screwed. This is my only chance at like staying away from that abusive household, you know? So especially now that they realize my mom's the bad guy, like that's the best news really out of all of this is that I have a chance to get away from my mom because she was really wretched and Your really awful. Your parents were together? They were not together. Not together. So, so. that was the point was like, right. if my dad was going to at any point come in and kind of save the day, because at least I knew with him, you know, we'd smoke weed together and he wouldn't kick my ass. You know what I mean? My mom was just like psycho, wanted to beat me all the time, wanted to abuse me, wanted to do whatever she could to just like... So hard drugs and physical violence or versus, weed and everything's pretty cool. Right. And he's a musician <laughs> and like, you know, like probably hit on all my girlfriends, but whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I went to the dad, but that was after we got back from Santa Cruz. So once we got back from Santa Cruz, then my dad says, hey, here's a great idea. Let's get you involved in this thing called Hollywood Kids Say No to drugs and you'll be like the spokesperson because we know you hate drugs and I'm like perfect so I start doing that then he introduces me to pedophile number two um or actually I'd already met pedophile number two which was Alfie but he came through the whole because I knew him from being supposedly Bobby Hoffman's son Bobby Hoffman was the head of casting for Paramount Television and cast me in all of my TV shows growing up as a kid and many other kids as well. And then he was living with this dude, Alfie, and Alfie started doing these underage clubs called Alfie's Soda Pop Club. So that's when my mom invited me to go to Alfie's club or whatever, his party with Bobby at their house. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, Alfie's going to come pick you up. So you're very special. You're very lucky because Alfie's going to come pick you up and take you to this party. So Alfie was one, then John, but John comes through my dad. And so my dad over at new talent is like, Hey, uh, I can't be on the set with you during lost boys all the time. And I'm really busy and stuff. So I'm going to get you this assistant guy. Who's basically going to drive you around and be your gopher and be your chaperone and be your whatever. Because again, right, the whole reason Joel Schumacher wanted to get me parental guidance and wanted to like make sure that I was set before he kept me on board was to make sure that I didn't get around some flunky who wasn't going right. to take it seriously and wasn't going to care about my best interests, right? Well, so what does my dad do? I go to my dad's for better care and end up with a new flunky who's also a pedophile isn't that ironic like every time oh, i get swapped to somebody it's like another pedophile so anyway yeah Did that's you tell exactly anybody or are you keeping it in who are you gonna tell yeah i mean your parents are the ones that are bringing them right. into your life right and by by the way um nothing happened with the alfie guy until after i was living with my dad so when i was living with my mom the only thing that was happening was that marty weiss was coming and breaking me out of my house in the middle of the night and taking me out on drives but he never molested me during that time he was only kidnapping me and we were having fun together so it didn't look like anything i would see that's a thing that's how they get you right they get your trust by like the grooming you right by being your friend and being like hey i'm gonna be the cool guy that's gonna get you out of this bad situation mm. so then you trust them so how does the emancipation uh court so how do we get there so begin? so ironically it's the guy that was hired by my dad, John Grissom, who is the pedophile, who says, hey, you got to get away from these abusive parents and they're taking all your money and right. they're screwing you over. We got to get you out of this situation. Chalk went up for the pedophile because that was a good call. <laughs> right. So he's like, so we'll get you in. Was it though? Really? Who knows? That's I mean, the thing. Because like, then, like, then he also introduced me to cocaine because like right, after that, okay. so now that I'm with him, it's like we're hanging out all the time like, oh, look at Sam Kinison, all these guys at the comedy store. They're like, love you. Let's go hang out with them. And then we walk into their parties and there's giant mounds of cocaine on the table. 15-year-old should not have been 
been there right. in the first place. Mm -hmm. But he walks me in. He's like, hey, man, this is a party. And I'm like, cool, it's a party. And then like, I'm like, but I don't do cocaine. And I resisted it for like the first six months hanging out with all those guys. And then eventually I just got weak. And I was like, well, they look like they're all having fun. And if they're having fun, I guess I, mean, I should have fun too. they were having a pretty too. good time at the comedy store. They were. <laughs> in they, the 80s. They were, the yeah. yeah. That was before they crossed the imaginary line. So it was right. all good mm -hmm. in the for hood. Sure. You know? And is that uh, when Kinison had the house like right up the hill yep, from the Crest comedy Hill, store? Crest Hill. That's it. So we were chilling at Crest Hill. So, so anyway, so, so it was at the Crest Hill house actually where I did my first like not the one from my mom which was the yeah. one time one line but this was like the first time I actually did did cocaine okay so John Grissom gives it to me and he's like oh you gotta try now you gotta try crack now you gotta try heroin now you gotta try LSD oh, wow. so every drug that I ever did literally was because <clears throat> of the same dude okay how like soon after did you start doing heroin everything. Oh, like two years later. Two years it was, later. It was a process. But so, I had to go through my cocaine phase, like where I got really into coke for a while. That was like the whole thing lasted two years. But like basically I was really into cocaine for like six months to a year. And then was like, you know, I see it destroying all my friends' lives. I see it destroying my life. I cross that imaginary line. People are having that talk with me. They're like, you don't see you have a problem. You right. have a problem. I'm like, what is the problem? I'm staying up for three, four days at a time, and we're having a great time. No problem. You know? Right. And they're like, no, that's a problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so that, that is the, the problem. Pedophile, right. That pedophile didn't do everything to help, but he, he was the one who said, you got to get away from your parents. So I can have more control over you and right, do right, what right. I want with you and put you on drugs so I can completely manipulate and control okay. you. Understood, mm. but, but was it not that? like some superhero? Right, right. But did he, <laughs> did he get you set up with some kind of attorney? Because yes, I'm just fascinated by yes, the idea, like the idea and of the you attorney. Being, the I hope yeah, you don't go mind. for it. Like that, the because uh, you were like the first like child star to legally like become independent of your parents before like when you're only 15 years old that's not like the first i believe drew did it first oh drew barrymore she might have done it first okay so we were right neck and neck around the same right yeah i mean it's but... a pretty big deal and 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 what i read about it was that you were a bona fide millionaire at 15 years old, but by the time the court proceedings played out, like all they had to show for all of your earnings was $40,000. You got your, you did your fact check. I yeah, like so, it. Very well done. Right? So, so, uh, <laughs> so, well, let me tell you how it actually went down. I was really fascinated to ask this question because to become emancipated from your parents means to become completely independent of them. He did this at the age of 15 and was like, wow, you know, okay, I got no parents, I'm an adult. That's fascinating. And you know what else is fascinating? Being completely independent of having to get in your car and drive anywhere. If you want to get food, if you want to get groceries, if you want to get any household supplies, you know what? Stay put, do what you got to do, leave it to DoorDash, man. This is the best way to get food fresh, everything delivered, and here's a killer deal for you. You download the DoorDash app. You plug in the promo code Stevo. For your first order of over 15 bucks, you get 25% off and no delivery fees. Boom. And that's good for a value of up to $10. So go ahead and figure out what do you want to eat? 
Maybe something from your favorite restaurant. Let your imagination run wild. Then download the DoorDash app, plug in the promo code STEVO, and like I said, enjoy 25% off of your first order of $15 or more, a value of up to $10, and zero delivery fees. So get your work done, let it just come to your door, enjoy, and let's try to figure out what's going on with this emancipation business. So, so basically what happened was in order to get emancipated, I had to be on my shit. Like I had to know what I was doing. I had to be able to like say, okay, this is bop, bop, bop. Right. Cause otherwise they're not going to let you go. They sure. want to see a, that you know what you're talking about. You know, your finances, you know where you're at and that you're going to be able to be self-sufficient and provide for yourself in the event that they turn over the power of signature to you. Right. So. Um, basically what happened was I went down to the producer's pension, health and welfare, which is where everybody who's an actor, their residuals go, their payment, their, you know, futures, their pension, it's all put into there. So there's an accounting. It's not part of SAG. It's a separate division, separate building. Were you a producer? I was not. No, no, no. It's the producer's pension, health and welfare, meaning the producers have to pay into this pension Mm. for the, on the behalf of the actors, right? Okay. Okay. So there's a certain amount of money that accrues so they can A, see all the money that you've earned and then B, see what's left in your accounts because they're the ones that make sure that like with the Jackie Coogan law, they have to put like 15% aside from every paycheck. That keeps coming up. It's crazy. Your parents are only allowed to blow 85% of your money. Right, exactly. But we're going to make sure you got a few cents left. Don't worry. (laughs) And that's what is not covered up, right? Because the way my parents did it, which was super slick, because typically like a manager gets 10 to 15%, as you know, Uh right? Well, my my parents were both my managers and they both took 15%. Wow. So there's your 30% right there off the top. Then you got 40% to taxes. I don't know about like literary. Then you got your business manager, your agent. Your agent takes 10%. Business manager takes 5%. Wait, what's happened where there's 15%? How do they justify 15%? Because they figure they're taking off of work. Right, that is a bit too much. Why yeah, should those I, kids earn anything? Screw those kids. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Like, why, why wouldn't it be like... Uh, why not 100% or like yeah. no, 90? Of it should be. Yeah. yeah. Kids should get all the money. Yeah, right? Right. It should be 85% to the kid and like 15% to divide like, between all the managers. Right. Because the kid's doing the work, right? Wait, do they figure because Giving like, up their childhood. Giving up their freedom. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, so and, go ahead. What's even more crazy, I mean, we, we could talk about the unfairness of uh, all, all, of, all the, all of the money being yeah. the commissions, but but it's just so fascinating to me. A judge grants you emancipation, and so now you're 15 years old, but you are legally an adult. Right. So it's, it's so waving, waving the idea of minor. So just, here's what happens. So we go to the court, right, and I prove... Okay, so this is where that comes in. We go to Producers Pension Health and Welfare. They show me, you have earned a million dollars to this point. At 14 and a half, this is where you're at. You've earned a million dollars. However, here's what's in your account right now. And that's where the 40000 Right. Came in. I mean, you so, got to figure if you've earned a million, then that puts you in a pretty high tax bracket. So you could almost ballpark it at 50% goes to taxes. Until a 50, so it's down 15 to 500 Right. You know, yeah. so there, there's fuckery going on, but it wasn't necessarily like as crazy as a million down to 40,000. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Out of a yeah. million. <laughs> 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 Explain to a 15 year old like taxes, right. like, look, they take out no, half I'm with because you. Of, right, right. I'm, with, I'm with you. It's right, bad. Because right, right, right. what? That's 4%. Right. Or is and, it even and, less? And, and for, I can't, you know, yeah, you know what, what, what strikes me, yeah. given your resume at that time, you know, like with Goonies, Gremlins, 
Lost Boys, like Friday the 13th, right. fucking all the Bad Adam's News Bears. Place, like, Bad News Bears, all of it. Mork and Mindy with Robin Williams, it, all of it. It, it, it's, <laughs> it feels pretty shocking that you would only have earned a million dollars at that point. Well, yeah, because they weren't paying people like they were these days. Right, like there was they, no back end, there was no, no nothing. No, Stand and by even, me Let me tell you huge. something. Do you know what I got paid? I'll tell everybody. I got paid for Goonies. $40,000. It was that SAG scale for a principal role? Yeah, because we were on it for six months. And, and all this That's $40,000 for six months Right, of and all work. these years later. That's crazy. Right, that's like slave labor if you think about <laughs> yeah. it. And, and we're almost, we're, fuck, we're almost 40 years later and, and now SAG scale for that kind of role is 65 grand. Right, exactly. <laughs> wow. Exactly. That's yeah, wow. better. But that said, if you do one movie, you get jumped up to like the million dollar tax day, I mean payday bracket. You know what right. I mean? Like you do sure. one movie that's successful, you're getting an offer for a million. Yeah, dollars. the kids in Spider Man. I did fifteen number fine. one films and was still getting like, here, license to drive. How about a hundred thousand wow. dollars? And I'm like, What? It's my name over the damn title. And that's the kind of money we were making. It was Damn. terrible. It could, was terrible. Could you negotiate? Were you like told not to do that? Or I mean, what do you? Um, my my agents were like William Morris at the time, so yeah, they probably should have made sure that that didn't happen, <laughs> right. right? You would think. Here's a question I was dying to to ask you, because, at, you know, I, I'm known for for all the jackass stuff. You are. But no, I'm just joking. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. But but I, I've since really like established myself in, in the comedy world doing okay. stand-up and I'm still not known as a stand-up comedian but I've been like way more successful in stand-up comedy from a financial perspective okay, okay I've made okay. way more money doing stand-up comedy than I ever made from exactly Jackass. exactly and so for thank you so that's why a lot of like when he said to me like oh in the 80s when you were you know big right. or whatever and I'm like no no you don't understand like because right. in the 80s the way I look at it was I was a slave I wasn't making much money I didn't get much play from girls because I was shy and intimidated and awkward so like the 80s to me were not some great glory days, you know what I mean? It was more like I was a slave kid that was just basically trying to get away from the abusers, trying to get away from the parents, trying to get away from everybody that was trying to hold me down. And then I ended up a drug addict, then I ended up in jail, then I ended up in rehab. So it wasn't really until the 90s that I started even living my life, yeah. like quite honestly, like 91, 92. That's when I started feeling like a human being and actually caring about myself and loving myself and wanting to like self heal and all of that kind of stuff. And so That's it was from that were... point on that my life started, I think. I mean, you, you were still like on some pretty hard drugs until at least 95, right? No, man. Oh, no? No. Sober. Wow, okay. I was sober in 89. Wow. And okay. how old are you then? You're like 20 or something? I was 18. 18. And you've got some correcting to do on Wikipedia. Oh, dude, Wikipedia <laughs> is whacked. Don't get me started. Right. I mean, do, I, I, no, I, no, 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 no. I'm, get I'm me sure. started. Let me tell you about this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's talk. Let's be real. I, I've got I've got some shit on Wikipedia. I'm on media too. blackout. Do you know what media blackout means? I don't know what that means. It means, means that there's actually people out there that are working on a 24-hour basis to discredit and defame me and change the facts of life. So, there, you know, Wikipedia is supposed to be an open forum where anybody user-friendly can go in there and edit whatever they want, right? Which leaves you open to the truth. It also leaves you open to lies. Right. That's what you would think. But if me or anybody on my team tries to go into Wikipedia, you can try it right now, and you try to edit something, it'll stick for about two minutes, 
and then it goes back and reverts to whatever the bullshit was that was there. <sighs> okay, then, like, if it's me, and I try it, say, like, multiple times, two or three times, all of a sudden I get a notice up that says I'm blocked, my IP address is blocked for the next two years. Wow. And I anybody that tries it. was that, that easy to even try to change Wikipedia. No, I remember sh- being on a cookie you should one be able time. To. You should be able to. The way that, that that whole program is set up, the way that the website works, is it's a user-friendly basis, which means that anybody with a computer and any you know basic knowledge of HTML can get in there and edit it yeah. and show the links that they need to show to show the truth. And like it should all back up because somebody's got to go through it and go like, oh, right. this makes sense. This points to this. This right. da-da-da-da. But they have... Some kind of system on mine, maybe yours, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how truthful yours is or off yours is. I mean, it's just like, you know, it says I've been married twice and I've actually never been married. Right. So so how are they allowed to do that, though? Isn't that like libel? Yeah, good question, right? Especially when they're purposefully blocking your IP address or anybody associated with you. So yeah, right. Wikimedia is the company that owns Wikipedia, and we're mm. probably going to have to like send them some very serious letters from our lawyers because this is not acceptable. They're out there lying about me. Everything on Wikipedia. Wait, wait, like, wait, like, wait, what's the malicious lie? The malicious lie is like you just said. There's, you know, they say I that mean, I wasn't really sober, or right, they say right, like right. one of the things says that I went on the Today Show in October, and then two months later I was arrested in Louisiana. Like da 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 da. Let me tell you something. I was never arrested in Louisiana. Right. That was newsflash. I was not arrested. Members of my band were arrested and that was for having weed, right? weed yeah. and a half a Xanax pill. Yeah. Okay. Not my Xanax pill, not my weed. I wasn't arrested. Let's just be real. So the bottom line is there's people out there maliciously, intentionally trying to make me sound like a liar, trying to change my credibility. Okay? Because obviously... If I'm lying about this or if I'm lying about that, then those really important big stories that I told in my documentary must not be true because obviously I'm a liar. All right. Right? Do you know who's telling these lies or is it just anonymous? It's connected to the debunking of my truth. So I put out a documentary. Uh You know about the documentary. I mean, I I guess or maybe not. but I didn't know (sighs) about it until I got ready to meet you today. And then I was like, wow. You know, so so where's this documentary available? It's not anymore. It's not. So what happened was I spent $1.3 million making this film. Uh, We premiered at the Directors Guild. There was 700 people there, sold out audience, um, standing room only, amazing, incredible. And the night we get there, we start the film, and it was streaming globally because I was the first person actually ever to do a live global streaming VOD premiere. And people had to pay to stream Pay-per-view, right. Was it successful? It would have been had we not gotten hacked and pirated. Okay. Okay, so as the film started, all of a sudden the thing froze, and people all over the world who paid money to see the film could not see it because there was an interruption of service. It's called a DDoS server attack. Okay. Okay. So we got a DDoS server attack that shut down the film, shut down the stream. They actually copied it. They stole the stream. They copied the script. And then they created a subsidiary website that was like a a copycat website that went up literally live the moment our stream came down. And they started selling tickets for $30 
versus us who are charging $20 for the ticket. So they're taking the same movie, same stream, same script. So it looks like the same website. They even uh, pushed it up in the Google search. So theirs was, mine was mytruthdoc.com. Theirs was mytruthdocs.com. They put up a fake website the same exact time that our premiere is happening. When they shut down yours, did they direct all of your traffic to their page? Correct. Correct. So they would have had to have been able to uh, to edit your page as well, but I guess they hacked it. So well, they yeah, could. they but, hacked it. They stole yeah. the stream. They copied the script. Wow. And they were able to build another prototype of a website that looked exactly like ours so, that went live the moment that ours went down. So by, by, the, by the virtue... And then somehow the media just never talked about it because the next day was COVID, so nobody wanted wow, to talk wow. about it. And so I've never been on any talk shows. The news won't have me on. The, I mean, like that's so, why I say media blackout, because all the mainstream media has prevented me from coming forth and talking about this story. Given that yeah. these hackers uh, actually monetized it, they took money, isn't it possible to follow that money trail and, and, and get to these people who committed the copyright? Yeah, you'd need a lot of expensive lawyers and a lot of investigators. Did you, were you able to to get any sense of, of how many buys they did? Well, we can no. I have no idea how much they how many tickets they sold for their you know fake. But I know that it was up for three months before we even knew about it. I found it by accident. Actually, my my director, the guy who directed the film, Brian Herslinger text me one day and he goes hey do you know about this you just you just you just did a post for our movie that goes to a different website and i'm like what and he's like yeah and it was like an accidental thing like i put my truths instead of my truth by accident and you click on it and it's an actual website but it's not our website and he's like yeah dude that's an entirely different website that's not our website i was like holy shit and it was uh and they were selling so, the tickets. So that, so that was multiple different websites. Okay, that so were there monitored. was that one. That was the main thing, how they were pulling the money out. But the way they liquidated the movie and made it worthless was by putting it out for free all over YouTube. So they put out about 200 free links on YouTube. The first one got 250,000 views before uh, YouTube would take it down. And we were sending them letters for weeks and they wouldn't listen because we didn't have like, you know, the exact right trademark information or the exact copyright information uh, or whatever. And they like wanted everything by the book before they would even listen to us that this is our film. Even though I paid for it, even though it's my name on it, I produced wow. it, it's my lawyer hitting you up. But if you don't have the exact paperwork, they're that not gonna listen. It, that makes me glad that we uh, got, got in business with that anti-piracy company before mm -hmm. putting out Gnarly. Yeah, but so, like, uh, we spent like six thousand bucks to get uh, this anti-piracy company to like uh, you know stamp whatever register anywhere my shit shows up. Yeah, like it, it, it's gonna be like you know flat trademark type thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's gonna cool. prevent prevent yeah. it from showing up on YouTube. I was so naive, man. I had no idea. I thought like, hey, I found a foolproof way because look, I put out a book. They edited my story. I put out uh, a doc uh, a film in, on the Lifetime Network that you know was a pretty good film that I helped produce. They edited and changed the story, even as far right. as like changing the scenes to make it uh -huh. not what it was supposed to be. You know what I mean? So like everything kept getting changed and edited. How are you gonna get the truth out? Everybody kept saying, you got to get the truth out. you got to get the truth out. Fine. How do I do this so that nobody is controlling the narrative but me? Right. Right? Well, the only way that you can possibly do that is to put it out in a documentary format. 
But sure. even then, you've got to get your E&O lawyers to approve everything to make sure you don't get sued, right? You can't put right. out anything that's like above and beyond. And you have to work really, really, really hard to prove that everything is corroborated. Like, there right. is not one thing in that movie that wasn't corroborated yeah, by, like, multiple like that. people. That It sounded like that. Those were some pretty fiery... Allegations. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah well, but I'm confused why it's... I mean, to be clear, where is the name now? of the documentary was My Truth, The Rape of Two Corys. Right. Exactly. And, 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 and even saying the word rape on YouTube, I think, uh, gets you... We'll <laughs> have you not talked about it since then? I have not talked about this it the, This is the first time. But so, first time. He says yeah. that this documentary is not available, but so did you ultimately get it all taken down from YouTube? Yeah, so we got them finally taken down, but so 250,000 views at $20 a pop. How much money is that? 250,000 views at $20 a pop. Five million? More. Try fifty million. <laughs> Wait, two hundred and fifty. Fifty million. I'm bad at math. Two hundred fifty thousand views at twenty dollars a pop. Ah, uh, it's fifty million. I think it's five. It's five million. Twenty divided by four. Yeah, it's uh because. Divided by two fifty though. Well, but it, it's a quarter two, million. Two hundred fifty times two is five hundred thousand. Maybe I'm good. And at then that. you add one zero because it's a twenty. So it's five million. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe but that's whatever. just one of the links, and then you. Uh, yeah. No, whatever. No, that was definitely just one of the links. But the point is, altogether, it came out right. to like eighty million dollars. Yeah, I mean, would it would have been a, it would have been a lucrative business play. Regardless. So do you have the? I mean, it wasn't, and we weren't doing it for that. You know, at right. the end of the day, we just wanted to get the truth out. But I had bills I have to pay back. For I had sure. people that like a whole crew that was working on on right. spec. You know, that right. was looking forward to it doing it, well man. and getting paid. And then on top of it, what we could have done with the profits would have right. been unbelievable. I'm not good at math either, by the way, so I could totally be <laughs> Dude, doing that. Uh, it's, it's, it's I don't easy. even know, but we should pull out a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody it's, already has. Don't worry. Easy. Somebody's sitting there like, you're an asshole. <laughs> yeah, on, on the comments. <laughs> of course. Well, uh, you're an asshole. It, you don't know how to do math. Go bite yourself. And, you know, yeah. It brings me back to the question I wanted to ask, which is for your prolific film career. And, and, you know, the staggering, like, s success that you had in it. Like, I would believe that it's your music career that's been more financially uh, rewarding for you. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, because it's been the last five years that my music luckily blew up. And again, this was, I believe, just an attempt to try and, like, knock me down and make me look like a jackass. Sorry for the expression. It's all good. But, but yeah, I mean, because we did the Today Show, which was obviously a setup. I mean, like, every single media outlet at the exact same moment, the second we walked off stage, was like, what was that? What was that bizarre, strange performance? You know, Corey Feldman really blew the, you know, donkey or whatever. Like, it was terrible. What was he thinking? And... It was all across the board. Everybody had the exact same headline. Like, you're telling me that there's not one single media outlet that saw it a little bit differently or had a different perspective or wrote maybe a few different words? No, it was the exact same language across the board at the same Does time. That. Isn't that miraculous? Who'd you piss off? Exactly. So, do, do you think a bunch that of pedophiles that are very powerful? <laughs> too. Do you think that? Um, in that case, because there was so much widespread. Uh, you know, coverage of this performance, which was critically panned. Mm. Like, just the fact that there was that much coverage, do you think the... Inadvertently, 
it, it made helped. it go through the roof. Right. First so, of so all, you, so you it was the most, because of what they did, it backfired. It was the most viewed performance in the Today Show history. That's what she wow. said. So Tara, um, Tamara, sorry, Tamara Hall, um, said it on live TV. She goes, this is the most viewed performance in the todayshow.com ever. Boom. Right. So, that was yes, her I believe it. to the notion that there's no such thing as bad publicity in this case. Well, there isn't. As long as they're writing about you or talking about you, then you're in good shape. So that's why what they're doing to me now is even worse because they won't even have me on to explain what's been going on. They won't even have me on to explain what happened to my film. We're talking about $100 million worth of, you know, liquid corruption that just happened. Tax evasion. Who's who's paying the taxes on all that money that went through those fingertips? Yeah. I mean, where's I mean, all that advertising money? All that, you know. If you can't trace down the people and the money for a copyright claim. And not only be- that, but they were making DVDs. They literally had DVDs with the packaging, with the artwork, with okay. everything, and you're so, like, what so the presumably, fuck? presumably the documentary, you know, even though you didn't uh, make any money off of it, right. some people made money off it, and plenty of people saw it. So how is the documentary critically reviewed? Oh, amazingly. Okay. Amazingly. Yeah, I mean, like anybody that's giving an honest review of it, like, okay, so what happened was they tried to act like it didn't happen at all. Like, I did actually read news stories the next morning that said it was all a lie. Corey was scamming his fans. There was no movie. Uh Fortunately, what they didn't expect is they didn't expect that I would have two separate copies. So we had the copy that was streaming uh, for the whole world to see. And then we had a separate copy that was the premiere copy at the DGA. So I actually stopped the film 15 minutes in and said, look, guys, I don't know if I should finish the movie because it's been hacked online and it's not really fair to all the people who paid to not get to see the movie at the same time as you. So I was thinking about not even playing the rest of it at the premiere and coming back and doing it a separate day once we got it all worked out. And it was actually a bunch of actors who rushed the stage, um, you know, like Roseanne Arquette was one of them. And she was the most vocal. And she got to the front of the stage and said, Corey, you need to do this now. She's like, do not back down. She goes, that's what they want. They want you to stop the film. They want you to not play it. She said, but if you do this, you're never going to get all of us back here again. You're never going to get a whole premiere full of people. Right, okay. like, it's never going to happen. And I was like, you know what? She's right. And so because of that, I continued the film and I played the whole movie out. And so the next day, you added in Rolling Stone, LA wow. Times, Entertainment Weekly, Everybody reviewed the movie and said it was a good movie and we did the thing, you know, but then everybody that wasn't in the room tried to say that the movie never played. There was no movie. There was no there there. It was a nothing burger, blah, 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 blah. So for people who are listening to this and they're just dying to see this movie, are you really telling them that it's not available? I can't. It can't because number one, I had to pull it. I had to pull it because of the safety of my my life and my family. You know, there was two attempts on my life leading up to this, which are documented in the movie. Um, The LAPD, for whatever reason, will not give us the video footage to prove that I was actually attacked because people tried to say that the attack never happened. That's the way they mm-hmm. spun it. The LAPD officer, for whatever reason, after photo... I mean, I have video footage of them photographing the, the wound and and sizing the, the scar and the laceration, right? They're literally, like, like sizing it and taking pictures of it in the hospital and then room. They, said that the, they turned around the, and said there was no puncture wound. Yeah, and 
Wow. Somebody I mean, tried to it, stab it was, you in the back of the neck? In the side. It was very tiny. I mean, and, it was a what, God, they, they literally, it was a godsend. I don't know how I can't explain it, but they missed. So they didn't get very far. They just got like the very tip of the knife into me. So I thought it was like maybe a needle because I couldn't right. figure it I out. Remember, I remember the story being that you thought it was somebody was trying a to hypodermic give you like needle. A, yeah. yeah, I didn't know. But then later on when I was showing the jacket that I got stabbed into the cops, we saw a slit this big. So you know that it was a knife because there okay. was a slit in the jacket. Okay. Mm. So anyway, so I went and filed a subpoena to LAPD for the Freedom of Information Act and said, I know you guys have the footage. You showed me the footage. You can't see what they're doing, but you can easily see that they break into my car and they reach in and they do something, right? Right. Give me that footage for where, my documentary. Where, where did this attack and they take give it to place? In, uh, on Ventura Boulevard. And, and was it, and, and what was the... At night. It was just random you were there? Or was it wasn't it? random. Oh, well, they understood. followed me. They followed okay. me from where I was eating. But it wasn't at like uh, the screening of your movie? or No, 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 right, no. Right. I was really? having dinner actually with the director and my friend Jameson Newlander who played the other Frog Brother and we were actually discussing and I was showing them what I call my Bible of evidence and I was showing them everything, telling them everything that had happened up to that point and why I felt it was necessary to make this documentary asking Brian if he was interested in you know being a part of it. And honestly, he's sitting there looking at me like is this guy lost his mind like maybe he's gone crazy this is like over the time. he didn't believe any of it and until he saw what happened to me yeah because well, i left there that yeah. night and i got followed and all this shit went down and i ended up in the hospital the next day so the, the attack happened while you were making the documentary then, before then it, we made the documentary. Before. Right. So then the documentary came out. You released it. Right. Since it's been released, were so there other threats like, or something that makes you want to yeah, like retract like, that and not like, leave it out? Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's a constant nonstop barrage on Twitter, uh -huh. on social media. Um, they're constantly gaslighting me. They're trying to accuse me of things that I never did. Um, you know, basically what happened was they sent some spies into my life, which are the girls that were part of my... My angel tour a couple of the musicians were not actual musicians they were spies that were put into my life to cause mayhem and destruction they're called the honeypot crazy yeah basically same kind of deal so so these girls were put in there to basically cause mayhem and disarray and then when I fired them because of the mayhem and disarray, they turned around and made false allegations about me, which were investigated by LAPD, and I was cleared of those false allegations. Yet, they keep throwing them out there, and they keep adding names to the list, like, oh, there's like 10 girls who've come forward. There's no 10 girls. But they pretend that there's these fake names. So uh -huh. it's three girls that were sent into my um, tour bus, basically, and we know who sent them there, and they were put there on purpose to make me look bad and then make false allegations. But then they start adding names of like other people that either we know some of the names, we don't even know who they are. We've never even met these people. And they just make these names and they, and they, and they basically put a list out there and they put it under false allegations. And it's tied to, uh, for a while, it was actually tied to this girl named Mindy who is uh, running to be a politician who claimed that she knew all this stuff about me. Like I'd never even spent more than maybe like two nights with her and nothing happened and like basically she was there as a date we went on a date but she was gonna maybe be part of my angel thing and then i just decided against it she just didn't you know have the right vibe and i wasn't into it and that never went forward so she was like so okay when, when were the spies sent into your tour bus 
Well, basically, the tour bus itself. I mean, this is. I don't even know how much of this I should say. God. I mean, whatever. Is, like, it uh, doesn't matter. Let's just say it. this: that there what is, kind of tour bus was it? <laughs> it was a very nice one. We hit a lot of success right away. We did the Today Show. It was very successful with the Angels and the Angel Band and all that. But unfortunately, the girls that we used, they were good for like the one song, which was a fairly easy song. But they weren't <laughs> capable of like learning thirty songs. They just didn't have that kind of skill so we needed more skilled girls because they were so, spies no 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 no. Oh, this, is this was old, just yeah. they just right. strictly professionally we needed better skilled girls right we needed girls that really knew what they were doing because i have a very wide array of music and you know we do everything from like edm to rock to hip-hop i mean it's kind of all over the map so you really have to be very right. versatile as a musician to be able to pull it all off so because of that we felt like we needed some you know kind of better talent to be the touring talent um and so what we did is we threw an open audition so open casting call and we did it over facebook so I start getting hit up by like girls from all over the country, you know, oh yeah, check me out my reel, check out this, check out that. So we brought in, you know, a girl, this girl, like she said she was like a hippie. She was like a, a, a gypsy rather, not a hippie, but a gypsy traveling from like town to town. And she just happened to be in town and let me come by with my audition, da, 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 da. So she came over, she auditioned, we hired her. She had no place to stay. So we let her stay at our house. And then after she was there for a little while, she starts like saying that, you know, she's a stripper, which we didn't know. And she wanted to like still make money because we weren't letting her strip because obviously we didn't want that kind of a look around our branding. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, no, just let me do like cam stuff from inside the house. And I'm like, hell no. What are you crazy? I'm not going to let that kind of thing be going on in my house. Like, are you nuts? So she didn't like the fact that I told her no. And I thought that was the reason why she was doing all this terrible stuff. I had no idea that it was for a darker reason, which was that she was sent there on purpose. So we found that out based on the fact that she was making phone calls and text messages to that person throughout the tour. We found out that the tour bus driver was his personal tour bus driver. We found out that we were on his actual tour bus, which we paid for, but yeah, we got a really good deal. Let's just say that much. The way Um, we ended up on that bus is because they made the best offer out of all the different buses we were looking at. What what I'm trying (laughs) to get a sense of is with all the craziness surrounding the movie and and the, uh, you know, the just the controversy and and everything does that just fuel the success of the of the music it would if people knew that the music was coming out here's the problem right now is we're having a very hard time marketing this new album we've got this beautiful box set and this beautiful new album and and a great new single but the problem is when mainstream media isn't supporting you and you're not popping up everywhere. Like when we were, you know, we did the Today Show, we had the top 40 song on the Billboard charts. Wow. And it was everywhere. Like People Magazine, Rolling Stone, Billboard, everybody broke the story about Corey's new albums coming out. So we announced, we put out a press release, new albums coming out, nobody's picking it up. It's crickets. So let's, so let's see the so box. If they don't support you, how are you going to get a hit, right? So it's all uh, based on you now, Steve-O. You're the, <laughs> you're the lifeline. So, so is this on right. uh, Spotify? This, this isn't finished yet. So this is, this is just look at the artwork, but yeah. Wow. And it actually has the world's first ever hologram uh, on a box set. So we've never had this kind That's of technology sweet. before in history, but I am the first artist, I believe, to pop up 
in a hologram on top of my own box and dance across the top of it. So right, you're going to pop up here? Am yes. I able to open this? Can you, you can open it, but the CDs aren't there yet because okay. it's not finished. Actually, we get them tomorrow. So if we'd done this interview one day later, I could have given right. you the CD wallet. But you can see some of the items inside. There is the 22 magazine, which was specially made just for this. Wow. Wow. And that features a lot of the artists who are part of the box, um, from Don Dawkin to Michael uh, Damien, Mickey Thomas, a lot of 80s dudes, because this box, box set basically covers from 1986 to 1994, plus we have a brand new album. So the brand new album is a sequel. The first album was called Love Left, and the sequel is called Love Left 2, army with love so the first album came out in 1994 we started recording it actually the very first song was while i was working on lost boys living in my dad's apartment and in the music video runaway which is part of the box set and also available for free on my youtube channel right now uh you can see the two guys that molested me dancing <laughs> behind me in my dad's apartment at 15 years old because those were my friends those were the guys i was hanging out how with. do they find the youtube channel you can just go to Corey Feldman YouTube. Just type in, you know, Corey Feldman channel on YouTube. YouTube YouTube.com slash Corey Feldman. That's it, yeah. Or Corey and, Feldman 2, I think you have to write in the 2. Okay. Yeah. And um, so you started your music, your band, in 94. No, I started in 86. Oh, so damn. as I was saying, the very first video was during we while we were shooting Lost Boys. Look, we got these wow, cool okay. sunglasses. Nice. Yeah. How, how many of the positions <laughs> are the same from the original? Well, the great thing about this is like we got in touch with everybody. So everybody so the so okay, the very first song I wrote was called Runaway, ironically, and it was about a 15-year-old kid who's getting abused at home and is looking for some kind of salvation, so he goes and he runs away and he gets on the streets and he gets caught up in a sex trafficking ring where they start feeding him crack. Now, this was all a premonition because I had not done drugs yet. Wow. I was an innocent kid. I'm working on Lost Boys, living in my dad's apartment, and all of a sudden, boom, uh, it all happened. So, literally, I tried to run away, which was me getting emancipated, and then I got, you know, the crack in my face and all of that stuff. So it all kind of played out exactly the way that I foresaw it, including having the two pedophiles in the music video with me nice. dancing around in the living room. So it's really bizarre. But, you know, I felt like instead of running from it, I got to put it out there because is that, that the was album? how it all started. So this is a vinyl EP and it's like a, an eight song teaser. Uh, so nice. that came out about three, four months ago, which that sold really well because we okay. did it as a fundraising thing where like basically people had to buy them to press them. So we like sold all of them in ah, advance. So it was like a pre-sale. Pre-order, pre nice. yeah, yeah. yeah. I love the artwork. Thank you. On yeah, both yeah. of these, yeah. the box set and the, the vinyl. The, uh, the, it's the a picture camera. disc, so it's actually really badass. The, uh, the disc itself is beautiful. And how um, do people get themselves this? If they are interested in any of the above, they can go to my website, CoreyFeldman.net, and they can buy whatever they want there. Is anything autographed on there? If they want it autographed, we'll autograph. I want to get one. Of, I'm going to get one of those autographs. Oh, look at you. Thank you. I appreciate the support. Dude, he, he really does. Like, like I mean, that means a lot he, to me. He, he's clean and sober. Nice. He bought. 
Yes. He, he bought weed yesterday to support Jaleel White. Oh, <laughs> God. And he oh, made no. me smell it. That's terrible. <laughs> it smelled so good. Yeah. <laughs> I smoked it last night. It was great. You smoked it last night? I'll give it a record. I'll, I'll give it a, re- a review. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, Did you yeah. microdose too? No, I just went straight, I, so I had a, a pure review. Are magic mushrooms from tour? Oh I still God. have them. Yeah, I haven't used them yet. So, some guy on tour like just gave us these like a, a, a shitload of magic mushrooms. And Are they he's real? Like, they gave him. They're they real. And Scott, because you know, I was like, I, I don't. This guy's like naming off all these okay. strains, and I'm like, isn't that beautiful? No, but Scott's like, why don't you just word, eat right? all those right now? Like, okay. you always expect me to do drugs. They, how they're you busy used talking to about drugs. No time for promo. CoreyFeldman.net. <laughs> yes. CoreyFeldman.net is where you get all things Corey Feldman, including the Love Returns EP. That's and right. And the, the Love box Left set. 2.1 box set, which features both my brand new album, Love Left 2, Army With Love, and the remix remaster of the original album, and 18 never-released songs from 1986 to 1994, and four hours worth of video footage, including a brand new documentary, not this documentary that we were talking about, but a a music documentary, which is kind of like more like a behind the music, which shows how it all started with my music career, Mm. when I started recording, when I started performing, like how it all got to this point. Yeah, and then also the making of the actual box set and the new album, so it's pretty cool. So, so that's a very comprehensive box set which covers your entire music career. Not entire, only eighty six to ninety four. So okay. that's the whole idea: is the start, oh, the beginning it, of the it, music it, career. It. So it's like an eighty, so like early nineties thing. The Rolling Stones, the first one. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then the brand new album. So that brings it up to speed. But everything in between, all five albums that happened in between, are not represented. Okay. Yeah. And are you touring? Uh, we plan to. We hope to. But I need to get a new booking. You need agent. to get a new tour bus. A new tour bus. For sure. <laughs> He's yeah, got a guy. Exactly. He's he, got a guy. Talk to you? Steve. Actually, yeah. do you guys have your own bus? I, you I, I just. Uh, you might be able to rent it from I you. I just bought a new bus. Yeah. Nice. But, but I, do you I rent went it the, out to friends? Um, I, I, I sure could. I, I went the RV route, not like the traditional tour bus. Okay. Okay. I, I, got, I did like that a, too. We did that on one of our tours. Did, did you consider that a mistake? Um, that was my first full bus tour. Yeah. So that was the first, no wait, that was my second full bus tour. I'm lying. <laughs> I did one on the last Truth Movement tour. Uh, for the last Truth Movement album, we had a big bus that was beautiful and that was very nice and very convenient. But that said, I did a really nice RV tour as I think the second Angelic tour, so uh-huh. like the mini tour. Um, and we got like this like 35 foot Winnie type thing. But it was like, it had like the extenders that come oh, out. Yeah, slides. Yeah. yeah, and it was pretty dope too because the way that it was outfitted, like the extender would pop out and like when you, obviously you had to do that when you were only parked. Like you couldn't sure, do that while you were driving. But the thing is that like when it popped, when it went back in, it shut off a wall and inside those walls there were sleepers. So like it was great if you had it open because you right. had a little area to chill. But mm-hmm. as soon as it closed, you were basically locked in and you couldn't get out of your sleeper until like we opened it back up again. Which means if there was like a bad accident, <laughs> yeah. that's like super dangerous. Please tell me that's like, not the next one. Talk about a fire hazard. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, nightmare. I did way better by you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I hooked you up, bro. I, I'll like come into Steve's like room in the RV, and he's looking at like a RV video that has like forty views. He's like, dude, look at this thing, and he's like showing everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's he's obsessed. Was it cool though? 
It's very fucking cool. <laughs> it's, it's, it's cool as it like, like seeing a fucking somebody build trains, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> no, but you know, look, if you know if you got like a shower, you're doing really good. I mean, it's epic. You know, if you got like, you know, a little kitchenette. Dude, the one really I got good. has a dishwasher, a washer, dryer. That's what I'm talking about. Sleeps that's up talking. to nine people. Do See, we'll, that's what I'm saying. He'll <laughs> go check out the RVs and he knows more about it than the people selling it. And the best part is you don't have to pay the damn driver. I mean, especially if they're crooked and they're there to just, well, I mean, cause we are, problems, no, we're hiring a driver. a driver anyway. So we oh, will you be, are? Yeah, we will be paying a driver. No, but, I would. Uh, I was when we were doing our mini tour. I was driving part of the time. Ah, yeah, mm, and that's actually how I got pulled over, and the whole Louisiana thing happened. <laughs> oh, see, uh, if it had been driving. a bus driver. Yeah. Then they wouldn't have even been able to put my name in the paper, but mm. because I was the one that got pulled over, and then yeah. we had to take it down to the police station because I was supposedly driving on a suspended license, which I wasn't aware of because we had just rented the damn thing and used my own insurance and my own driver's license yeah. like a week and a half before. But somehow, like I guess I forgot to pay something, and it popped up right during that little period of time. So all of a sudden now it's like, whoops, bad timing. I guess my license is suspended, and this is how I found out. So we get down to the police station. They couldn't charge me with anything because I didn't do anything wrong other than driving with a suspended license, which quite honestly should have just been a warning because it was within 30 right. days. And but within 30 days, nullify. it's supposed to technically be a warning. That, Louisiana. That, 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 that will right. nullify the insurance. So now you're driving without insurance. And I think there's registration issues as well. So, like, But they didn't, they didn't say all that. They right. didn't, yeah, and like I said, I was never arrested. So they basically looked at it and they went, yeah, he's right. This is probably more than we should do. So instead, sounds, sounds let's like just go sell this story to the press and tell everybody he got arrested for drugs. All right. All right. <laughs> I mean, hey, press, press is good or it can be. That was not good press. And <laughs> Wikipedia can suck my, you good. know what. Good. Um, so, so we're hoping to get back on tour soon. Yes, that, that would be the goal but for next year. But there, but there are no dates as, as yet. Not yet. And the box set is uh, available for pre-order. It's available for pre-order right now, CoreyFeldman.net. And you can come, I would love if you guys can make it out to uh, my record release party because the album actually comes out and the box set comes out on January 12th, 22. Ooh, we're on tour. We'll be on the road. Yeah, we're, we're on tour. That's but dude, I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. I would absolutely love that. What are you doing? And what are you doing? It's a comedy tour. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah. we leave that for Kalamazoo. Yeah, leave that day for Kalamazoo. Really? Is there yeah. a way you can push it back, Kalamazoo? Nah, we we got Kalamazoo. We got uh, on the thirteenth, so we got to fly out the day before. And it, is just... that the place where they all use um, those little things that go ding 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 ding? Kazoo's it's Kalamazoo. No, but but dude, I I would absolutely love to support you, and I particularly, you know, I I have a soft spot in my heart for for anybody who's known for one thing who has ventured out into another thing and and been successful gotta recreate with it. it we gotta yeah. rebuild ourselves we can't right. just here's the thing you know we can't control the world we can't control what happens right. so all we can do is try our best to like reinvent ourselves right. and try and keep up with the joneses right sure and especially when they try to put you in that box you know they love to put you in that yeah. box and say this is who this is and this is how they're gonna always be and that's the way it is and it's like no man i'm a human being and I evolve you evolve we right. all evolve right we have to have the ability and the freedom to evolve from what I understand too your music has like a really 
dedicated like hardcore fan base absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. my fans love the stuff and and you know what i mean i'm very grateful and very like i love my fans i love them to death they're everything to me but i do it because i love it sure you know at the end of the day it's a passion right and i have really good taste in music i'm friends with some of the greatest rock stars and entertainers in history which means basically i try to soak up everything i can right. through those relationships i go into the studio with them i learn from them and i try to you know bring that into my work so i take my work very seriously when it comes to music as you should but i don't take myself too seriously because why that's, that's the why way should that's I? the way to why be I? you mentioned that you, that you were on instagram live so so yeah uh, so what's your instagram uh, it's C Dog Twenty Two. C Dog Twenty Two. I'm glad double I asked. Double G, man. C D O Double G. You know what's <laughs> C D O Double G Twenty Two. That's right. Snoop uh, Dogg anything. was on the Go For It single. You know, my last single. Wow, dude. Last, yeah. Fuck, I did last not know around, that. Dude. That's epic. Um, so, is there anything else we, that we can plug? We got your social media. Well, let's see. We got, got your... yeah, Twitter, which has been hijacked by thieves. So you know, good Twitter's luck. Twitter's very on... hackable. It seems, yeah. or it has been in the past. Now they've it got their two is. step. Oh like yeah, that. now that we got Jack Dorsey out, everything's going to change, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll see. No, so, it's not about hackable. It's about there's stuff. Like I said, this stuff is bigger than we all like to think. And there are there are powers that be that are in control of our lives beyond what we would like to believe. I believe it. And, and it is very abundantly clear when you are on a platform like Twitter because they do things like they allow people who are blocked from me to jump into my thread into my timeline and post something there like a link to some BS article that's not true or you know full huh. of lies so how do they do that how are they allowed to do that and then when I report them instead of them getting taken down I get a, a letter back that says we do not see how they have broken any of our Twitter safety violations wow. and you're like really Hmm. What kind of Twitter safety violations do you have to do to actually get taken down there? So we because, won't promote your Twitter. Yeah, no, screw forget, Twitter. Forget about the Twitter. Yeah. We, we like Instagram. It's cdog22. That's right. All things Corey Feldman live at coreyfeldman.net. You got it. And you can still buy my burnt ears. You know, I've got these like burnt ears from the movie Stand By Me. We made oh, like a nice. replica and it's available at cfnftandme.com. So you can oh, get that too. So there's an <laughs> NFT of burnt ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did an NFT of my burn here from Stand By Me. We did like a whole hybrid auction thing and then well, lo and behold, that got hacked, and uh, unfortunately, they froze the bid button for 12 hours, making it impossible for the number to go up, and we got stuck with a $3,700 sale. Uh, one at one ETH? One, uh, that would be about one ETH, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did, I did an, an NFT, and I only got one ETH. <laughs> yeah, but was yours right. because of uh, corruption I, and scandal, or I, was it because no, it really, I was, <laughs> I was like, I so wish like, I could it, say it that. It went on yeah. for one ETH, and then like, uh, someone bought it, and then someone else upbid like 1.01, or, or, you know, like, right. it was like that. So. Yeah, no, no. Ours was like really hot and heavy, like everybody was bidding for the first 12 hours, and then all of a sudden it just stuck, and it wasn't changing, right. and I'm like, that doesn't seem right. So right. I like hit the people up who are running it and they're like oh yeah it's a blunt blunt brute force attack ah. uh, where I guess they had made 8,000 attempts to get into the server so that they could shut it down entirely but they weren't able to do that they were only able to freeze the bid button okay. preventing people from bidding but we have it's more awesome NFTs. More it's more NFTs awesome. Available that's the plan and more NFTs are available are right? you on OpenSea? 
Uh, I don't know about Open Sea, but is that is that your gallery? Well, that's where yeah, that's where we were running it through. But right now, we only have two NFTs. We've only made two so far under okay. my deal with Cosmic Wire. We're supposed to be making a lot more. We'll see what happens. Fingers crossed, and, everything and, and works out. And the way out. to find out about that is to follow you on Instagram, which is cdog22. Absolutely, or CoreyFeldman.net because you can always find out everything Corey at CoreyFeldman.net. Dude, I love it, man. Yeah, dude, thank God you, brother. God bless you, brother. Oh yeah, thank you. Sure. I appreciate your support. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing, dude. Yeah, Corey. And, um, Thanks guys did i say we had bombshells or what i mean dude like there's a lot there was a lot of hacking going on there was uh a lot of conspiracies going on and um it was entertaining so thank you guys for sticking around to the very end you know i love the street team and uh fuck man it's december 30th so i hope everybody has a safe and happy new year yeah dude